Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. See, their question was, will you go with this man? And her answer was a very immediate and clear, I will go. And that settled the matter. And then all they could do is to send her. Now just freeze that scene. Freeze that scene in your mind. This great family discussion and all the discussion stops. You know, Laban stopped talking. Bethuel stopped talking. Rebecca's gonna talk. She's gonna give the final decision. It's a very important picture for us because it's the picture of the decision that determined, in her case, whether she go or not go. And when we look further and see the analogy there, it's a decision, it's like a, a picture of a decision of a sinner that, who determines if he's gonna go to heaven or if he's gonna go to hell. And just as Eliezer wanted Rebecca to go and her family did not, and there was this tug of war, there can be great discussions where we as soul winners, we really want a person to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, be saved, and then there may be others in the family that doesn't want the person to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. But just as all that discussion in Rebecca's home stopped, and everyone waited to hear Rebecca, who made the final decision. In the end, it all comes down to the decision for each person to make for himself as to whether or not he will be saved. God does not decide that for anyone. God does not decide who will respond to his call to believe him and turn to him. That's totally each person's decision, and God doesn't decide that. God's sovereign, but in his sovereignty, he's decided to give man the power to choose or to reject. That's man. And each man makes his own decision, and God has chosen that if a man does respond positively to him, then he's going to show him mercy, he's going to save him, he's going to predestinate him to be conformed to the image of his son, he's going to live in heaven for eternity. But if a person makes his own decision to reject God's invitation to be saved, then God will reject that person, cast him into hell for eternity. And it all came down, just it all came down to Rebecca's decision, go or not go, it all comes down to each person's decision, come or not come, to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation and cleansing. God doesn't make that decision. Leaves that decision totally up to each person. God doesn't determine everything that happens. He has determined that each person will make their own decision to accept or reject the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in Rebecca's response of, I will go, she's really answering two questions. The first question she answers is, when she says, I will go, is whether or not she would become Isaac's wife, which, as we said, she already kind of answered that question when she took the gifts in verse 50. But the second question that everyone was really waiting for her to answer was, will you go right now with Eliezer? That was the importance of her answer in verse 58 when she said, I will go which really meant, I will go right now. And so when Rebecca said those words, I will go, what her family heard her say was that she was willing to forget 
her own people and her father's house to become Isaac's wife. As far as we know, they never saw her again on this day. That's really remarkable because that's exactly how coming to God is described. And we can understand the strong opposition today, if you think about it in the Jewish family context, the strong opposition by a Jewish family, by a Jewish father's house, and they put that in the way of a Jewish person coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. I can tell you from my own personal experience, it's typical for a Jewish person coming to the Lord Jesus Christ to have to forget his own people and his father's house, just as it's described in Psalm 45, 10 through 11, where it says, hearken, O daughter, and consider and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship thou him. See, for a Jewish person to call Jesus Lord and to worship Jesus, he must forget, oftentimes, his own people and his father's house. But as we saw last week in the case of the disciples who had this instantaneous response, we see that Rebecca. There's no, well, let me think about this. There's no, she doesn't do that. You know, there's no, well, let me talk it over with my family. She doesn't do that. There's just this instantaneous, I will go. And that instantaneous response is what we saw with the disciples, but it reminds us of Mary. I mean, Mary, the mother of the Lord, she had a problem in understanding. It's understandable, but she had a problem in understanding how she could have a baby when she never came together with a man. How is that possible? And so she asked the question. It's given for us in Luke 1, 34 to 38. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath conceived in her son in her old age, this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. I mean, think about that. I mean, Mary was told she's going to have a baby, and she had a legitimate question. You know, how's that possible? And God honored her legitimate question and gave her an answer that even though it never before happened, it never before happened explanation, and God was tracking in her mind. And she's pushing, she's got in her mind this thought, that's impossible, that's impossible. And she's pushing it aside, and God keeps her from falling into her mind's unbelief by saying in verse 37, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. And the beauty of her response was that she didn't say, let me think about it. There was no hedging of let me think about it. The feeling of let me think about it is like a tentacle holding arm of an octopus that wraps around its victim, causing him delay. So he's not free. He's held. And if anyone going, if anyone is going to come to God, if anyone's going to come to God, he must break loose from this octopus tentacle arm of let me think about it. This hesitation with a Rebecca like immediate and decisive, I will go. You know, Mary broke loose from her hesitation of let me think about it with an immediate beat unto me. And Andrew and Peter and James and John, they broke loose from their nets with an immediate response to follow the Lord. And Rebecca broke loose from her let me think about a hesitation from her family and from her father's house with an immediate response, I'll go right now to become Isaac's wife. 
So every lost sinner who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, he has to break loose. He has to break free from his let me think about it hesitation. And if need be, he has to break loose from his family, from his father's house with an immediate response to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. This last week I had lunch with a lost friend of mine, known for 20 years, and he told me that he knew he had to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, but he wanted to come later. That's the disturbing response. See, just as the angel called Mary and the Lord Jesus called Andrew and Peter and James and John and Eliezer calls Rebecca, so the Holy Spirit is calling lost sinners today, come to the Lord Jesus Christ, be saved, be cleansed. Right after her decisive three words in verse 58 of, I will go, we read of immediately their four words in verse 59, they sent away Rebecca. So we read that, and it's interesting in verse 59 how Rebecca is referred to. It says, they sent away Rebecca, their sister. Rebecca is the sister of Laban, but she's not her mother's sister, Bethuel. But when it says their sister, it shows that the principal spokesman here and the real decision maker in this home is Laban, Rebecca's brother. And then the other interesting point we see in verse 59 is, and they sent away Rebecca, their sister, and her nurse. What? What's this? And her nurse? Rebecca has a nurse? And that's the first time we read Rebecca had a nurse. And later on in Genesis chapter 35, verse 8, we learn what her nurse's name was. It says, but Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died. She was buried beneath Bethel under an oak. So the name, we know that the name of Rebecca's nurse is Deborah. But Rebecca not only has a nurse, because look at verse 61. It says, and Rebecca rose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels. So what we learn from this verse, she also has damsels. So Rebecca has a nurse. Rebecca has damsels to wait on her. Rebecca had servants. Every Jewish girl should have servants, <laughs> which is why I didn't marry Harriet Steinbaum and instead married Cheryl Mumaw. And when we think of that Rebecca had a nurse and damsels to wait on her, then we think about that in the context of Rebecca went down herself to draw water. And Rebecca watered those camels herself. That tells us a lot about Rebecca. She worked because she wanted to work. She didn't work because she had to work. Rebecca could have chosen to sit back. Rebecca could have very easily chosen to sit back and say, Oi, mine feet, Vic, a cushion for mine feet. She could have done that. That was not Rebecca. That wasn't who she was. She knew the value of work, and just because she had servants, she didn't stop working. She valued work. See, she wasn't a princess who made herself immune from work. She worked because she wanted to. She valued it, not because she had to. So in verse 59... We see this group, they're leaving. There goes Rebecca, there's her nurse, there's her verse 61 damsels, and they're going with uh, Abraham's servant and his men. But before she leaves the group, and it's likely that they will never see her again, we read in verse 60, they blessed Rebecca and said unto her, thou art our sister. Again, we know who's speaking. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. See, verse 60 shows that they bless Rebecca, and we understand that it's Laban who's speaking and praying. And first in his prayer blessing, he owns her as his sister. And he says, thou art our sister. Now follow the two words thou in verse 60. See, the first thou speaks of her current state. She's my sister, Laban speaking. You are my sister. The second thou speaks of his desire for her, be thou for her seed to number in the millions and that her seed should dominate over their enemies. 
And so when you look at the two thou's, we can see that Laban is saying, just as sure as you are my sister, I want you to have seed that's going to number in the millions and that they should dominate over their enemies. So there's something beautiful in, in, in Laban's blessing here when he says, be thou, be thou. We can hear that he's got a very strong intention, Laban does. By saying, be thou, he's praying with this intention. It's an intentional prayer. Shows that Laban had thought about it and what he's going to pray before, and he prays this with intention when he says, be thou, this be thou part of his prayer is a challenging instruction for us because the be thou of Laban's prayer shows that there's no question as to what he is praying for. You know, at the end of Laban's prayer, you could say, what did you pray for, Laban? And Laban would say, I prayed for two things. I prayed that her seed would go into the millions and that they would dominate its enemies. That's challenging for us. So often, we don't pray those types of be thou intentional prayers, and instead, we just cop out with a, Lord, bless this person, or bless that person. We cop out. We use the rubber stamp. You know, bless this person, bless that person, without any thought. That's not an intentional prayer. If you were asked, what did you pray for? So, well, we prayed God to bless him. Well, what does that mean for God to bless him? So, I don't know. God knows what the needs are, so he should just meet the needs. I just rubber stamped it. You know, what do you want? God doesn't want that from us. He wants the be thou prayers, the intentional prayers, which is why he said in Luke 18, 41, with the blind man, he said, what wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? Well, it seemed really obvious he was blind, but he wanted to draw it out. Say it. You just say it. Be intentional about it. Say, I want you to give me sight, which he did. He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Now, in the blessing itself, we see an almost exact repeat of what God said he would do for Abraham in Genesis twenty-two seventeen, where it says, where God said to Abraham, in blessing I'll bless thee, and in multiplying I'll multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. So we see that Laban is now being led by the Holy Spirit as he prays for Rebekah. That's encouraging for us. Because just as the children of God were led by the Holy Spirit to pray, that's what it says in Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And then later in verse 26 of the same chapter, likewise the Spirit helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. And the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. See, Laban intended to pray specifically, and the Holy Spirit led him what to pray for. Laban's intention was to pray, and Laban's reliance was on the Holy Spirit to lead him what to pray for. And Laban prayed for exactly what God had promised Abraham. And that shows that when our intention means that we want to pray for the right things, and our reliance is on the Holy Spirit to lead us to pray for what we should pray for. See, it's significant that Laban didn't just pray that Rebekah's seed is going to be blessed, but he prays numbers, he prays millions. And then he prays, he says, brings up kind of like a, it's like, why does he say this? You know, he prays about, he brings to light people that are going to hate her seed. We haven't even seen her seed, but he understands people are going to hate her seed. Why should they hate her seed? But he prays that way. He saw the haters. He saw the haters of her seed. You know, Jewish people and believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, they have one thing in common. There's a lot of people who hate them, you know. In 2 Timothy 3.12, it says, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. 
Now we come in verse 61 to the actual departure. And we see the family waving goodbye and Rebecca's leaving. And it says in verse 61, Rebecca rose or damsels, they rode upon the camels, followed the man. The servants took Rebecca and went his way. So you see the group going off into the horizon on those camels being jostled back and forth and as the camels do walking away. And there are two important words in verse 61, which describe what Rebecca did and what Eliezer did. And the first word which describes what Rebecca did is the word followed. She followed the man. And the second word of took describes what Eliezer did. The servant took Rebecca. Now we know that Eliezer took Rebecca to Isaac, but the first word of followed emphasizes Rebecca's decision of what she did. She followed Eliezer. That shows Rebecca's intention and follow through to follow Eliezer, he knew the way to where Isaac was. And he was going to take that way to go to Isaac. And the second word, took, it emphasizes Eliezer's decision. What he did, he took her and went his way. So the word took shows Eliezer's intention to lead Rebecca on the way, the way he knew, to Isaac. Now just freeze that scene, those two words, followed and took in your minds. Because in that scene, we have a picture of the heavenly Eliezer or the Holy Spirit bringing people to the heavenly Isaac or the Lord Jesus Christ. Eliezer made the invitation for Rebekah to follow him to Isaac. So the Holy Spirit invites each person to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Rebekah decided to follow, and she did follow Eliezer. So a person decides to follow and does follow the leading of the Holy Spirit to the, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Eliezer took Rebekah, his way to Isaac, so the Holy Spirit takes a person to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And like Eliezer, the Holy Spirit will only take the people to the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't take them to himself. And so the last words in verse 61 are very important, where it says, and he went his way. Just thinking about that, he went his way, the way, you know, and it causes us to think, it's about a 125-mile trip on camels, and we can imagine that trip, and we can see it's hard. I don't even want to go 50 feet on a camel, much less 125 miles in the hot desert on top of those beasts going back and forth. And at night, you know, we can imagine them stopping by some oasis to spend the night. And, you know, we just kind of like think of that scene, just sort of create that scene in our minds. We can see in our mind, you know, night, best time to get off those camels. And they're all sitting around the campfire. They've eaten dinner. Before they go to bed, we hear Rebecca say to Eliezer, as she has every night on the way, Eliezer, she says, just tell me about Isaac again. And we can see Eliezer say to her, what do you want me to tell you about Isaac? And she'd say at that campfire, tell me again about the way he was born. Tell me about the miracle of his birth. And if he said, I've already told you that, she'd say, I know, but tell me again. Just tell me again. I'd love to hear this. Or at the campfire, she would ask Eliezer, tell me about that close relationship that Isaac has with Abraham, how they loved each other, how they walked together, how they were in unity. Tell me about that. Or at the campfire, she would say to Eliezer, tell me about, again, about the time when Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father, and how Abraham said, here am I, my son. And Isaac said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Tell me about that time again. And at the campfire, she would say, tell me again how when Isaac realized that he was the lamb for the burnt offering, how he went together with his father to be that burnt offering. Tell me about that again. And at the campfire, she would say to Eliezer, tell me again about how Isaac gave his hands to his father to be tied up, to become the burnt offering. Tell me about that again. 
And at that campfire, she would say, please tell me again about the way that his father Abraham offered him on the altar and how God saved his life. Tell me about that. And if Eliezer said, I've already told you, she'd say, tell me again, please, tell me again. And it was the most wonderful times of the day around that campfire when Rebecca would just hear over and over again about Isaac. And all through the next day, during that long, hot desert journey on top of those camels, Rebecca would just think about what Eliezer told her the night before about Isaac. And during those long, hot desert days on the travel on those camels, Rebecca would think to herself, I can't wait till tonight. I can't wait till we sit down again around the campfire and I get to hear again about Isaac. And Eliezer would tell her again and again and again. And the more Eliezer told Rebecca about Isaac, the more Rebecca asked Eliezer about Isaac. And the more Eliezer would tell her Rebecca about Isaac, the more Rebecca loved Isaac. And with each time around the campfire, when Eliezer would tell Rebecca about Isaac, the more Rebecca's love grew for Isaac. And it grew and it grew and it grew. And that was a long but wonderful journey going to Isaac where each night around the campfire, Rebecca came to Eliezer to hear again about Isaac. And each night around the campfire from hearing again about Isaac, Rebecca's love grew stronger for Isaac. And on that journey, Rebecca never saw Isaac. She never saw him, but she loved Isaac. And even though she never saw him, she loved him more and more because of what Eliezer told her about Isaac. Now freeze that journey. Freeze that picture in your mind. That journey, that campfire scene, that's a picture of us in the place of Rebecca and the Holy Spirit in the place of Eliezer. We're like Rebecca every morning, not at night, but every morning. Well, it can be at night, but anyways, every time we come during our Bible reading devotion times, we have our time around the campfire where there's nothing to do but to ask our Eliezer Holy Spirit, tell us about our Isaac, Lord Jesus Christ. And during our long, hot, arduous days of work and the to-dos that we have to do, we're just like Rebecca, thinking about what our Eliezer Holy Spirit has just told us again about our Lord Jesus Christ, our Isaac. And just like Rebecca, during our days, we look forward to the next campfire devotion meeting when our Eliezer Holy Spirit will tell us again about our Isaac, Lord Jesus Christ. And just like Rebecca from those meetings, our love, see her love, our love for our Isaac, Lord Jesus Christ, to grow stronger and stronger during our journey down here on earth. And just like Rebecca, who has not seen her Isaac during the journey, but she's going to meet Isaac, but her love is growing stronger and stronger for her Isaac. We haven't seen our Lord Jesus Christ. But during our journey here on earth, our love for him is growing stronger and stronger as we journey to meet him. As it says in 1 Peter 1.8, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory. And just as Rebecca gets happier and happier as she approaches the seeing part and the being united part to Isaac, so we become happier and happier as we approach the time when we'll see and be united with our Lord Jesus Christ. So those last words in verse 61 that refer to the way that Rebecca was taking to see and be united to Isaac, they speak to us of our way on earth to see and be united to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, Lord, giving us an Eliezer, a Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Lord, to tell us over and over again about the one we love and about the one we're growing more in love with every day. And help us, Lord, so that we'll be prepared with love for you as Rebecca was prepared during those campfire meetings 
when we see our Lord that we'll say, first of all, I want to see my Savior, first of all, in Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Starting September 25th, join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship. <laughs> 